0: Hi there, and welcome to the Murray Resources Podcast, where we dive into common job search and career-related topics and questions. My name is Scott White, and I'm here with my co-host, Keith Wolf. Keith is the Managing Director, and I'm the Marketing Specialist at Murray Resources, a recruiting and staffing firm that has worked with thousands of employers and placed tens of thousands of candidates over our 30-year history. We're here to use our firm's experience to give job seekers a peek behind the curtain into the recruiting industry, and more specifically, to offer tips and techniques that can help them land the perfect job. So if you're looking for tips to take your career to the next level, then you're listening to the right podcast. Have you ever struggled with knowing when or how to start your job search and how exactly recruiting and staffing agencies work to help you land that dream job? Well, that's exactly what we're going to help you with on this week's show, where you'll learn what steps you need to take to succeed in your job hunt and the part that recruiting agencies play in the process. All right. So Keith, what exactly is the role that recruiting and staffing agencies play in helping candidates land their dream job?
1: Yeah, that's a good question because there's, I think, a misconception out there of what recruiting and staffing firms do and, and really um, who we're serving. So the interesting part of our business is that we really have two masters. I mean, we have the employer who pays us a fee to place a candidate, and then we have the candidate who we're trying to put in a particular role that, that fits their background and their interests. A lot of candidates, job seekers, will come to us And, you know, they'll be looking for something very specific or maybe they're in a very difficult part of their career. They're not happy where they are and they'll come to us and essentially ask us to find them a job. And as much as we want to do that, that can be part of the frustrating part of our business is that, you know, we can't help every job seeker who comes to us. And just to give you an idea, we may have 80 to 100 openings at any given time, but we may be may have a thousand to 2000 applicants for any given role and so just mathematically we can't place all those people so that's frustrating for us because a lot of those folks are are very talented and and very good at what they do we just don't have a particular opening that fits their background so you know that's that's part of it we don't find jobs for for people as much as we want to we find candidates for our employers and that's because that's who pays the bills and that's really for a, a staffing firm you have to uh, watch out for.
0: Yeah. So, so you mentioned the supply and demand kind of aspect of recruiting, how there's, you know, there's very little jobs compared to the number of candidates that apply. And how, how would you recommend if a candidate applies and there, and there isn't, you know, a good fit for any position, what, what, what are the next steps that you would recommend that candidate taking?
1: Yeah. So what we recommend is there's not always going to be that perfect fit for the candidate at that time. But the best thing to do is really to, to start a relationship with a recruiter or a recruiting firm. What I recommend is starting with a firm or a recruiter who really specializes in your area of expertise. So if you're a marketing person, for example, you want to find recruiters who specialize in marketing or at least do a lot of marketing jobs. And these days it's really easy to find that. So you go to a uh, staffing firm's website, you look at the kind of jobs that they have listed, you can go to LinkedIn and find it that way. And that's usually a good place to start. And if they don't have a job at that moment that is really a good fit for you, then at least you can start a relationship then. Um, let them know what's going on in your career. Help them out. They're, you know, they're people too. They, they have a job to do. And so if you're not the perfect person for that particular role, maybe you can recommend one of your friends or somebody else that you know. The more that you can do for someone else, you know, and, and help them in their career, then, you know, it'll come back at you when that, that opportunity does arise that fits your background.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think you brought up, you know, a really important part of just finding a job, especially, you know, finding that dream job is, you know, it's, it's networking, it's getting out there. It's, you know, whether that's meeting people in person at different events or that's connecting with people on LinkedIn or sending emails to people that you, you know, may have some friends in common. So could you speak on that kind of what what are some of the strategies when starting a job search? What are some of the strategies that, you know, job seekers can can implement to help you know speed up the job search process?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really tough to start a job search when you are desperately in need of a job, right? Because it's it's basically yeah. like starting a marathon and you're just from square one without any training, right? So, you know, what I would suggest is you're always in the job market, except for you, Scott, but um, <laughs> everybody else should always, you know, be considering, okay, if I were to make a move, I can't just start building a network when I'm unemployed. You always have to have a network. You always have to, you can't just reach out to people and say, hey, you know, I haven't spoken to you in a couple of years, but is there a job that you'd recommend for me? Yeah. So it's always important to keep that network going, keep in touch with ex coworkers, your old boss, people that, you know, you know, that could speak on your behalf, could be a reference for you. So that's the first thing is I wouldn't just start off the networking, you know, once I was unemployed. But, you know, there's just so many different ways to network these days. There's, you know, the offline networking and going to events. I personally haven't heard a whole lot of success stories from people who go to employment-specific events because typically Mm -hmm. the folks that are at those sort of events are people who are unemployed like you. (laughs) And so there's only maybe a couple of people at those events who might have a job. And so when you have a hundred people roaming around with their resumes in hand, there's no one really to help each other. So I think a better idea is to go to sort of industry events that aren't necessarily about networking or about finding a job. It's more about just getting to know people who have common interests in your industry. And that's a great way to start uh, offline.
0: Yeah. Okay. And as far as online, I mean, you know, I feel like there's, there's a new, you know, there's a new tool coming out every day on how to connect with people or how to look at different jobs. You know, we have Monster, LinkedIn, Indeed. I mean, the list goes on, you know, are there, are there any programs or any tools that are better or any that you would personally recommend uh, from the recruiting side?
1: I would still say LinkedIn is the standard, you know, the, all, all the uh, job boards serve a purpose. I mean, there's Monster, CareerBuilder, like you said, and a lot of folks think those are never used. Or recruiters don't use those to find candidates, but they do. You know, if your resume is on there and you're looking for a role, you you may be found. But I probably would suggest not overexposing yourself. Don't work with ten recruiters. Don't put your resume all over the place. Be a little bit selective on, on who you're working with because it doesn't take a whole lot of work to find that somebody's submitted their resume everywhere. Right. So just to give an example, a lot of people probably wouldn't know this, but if If you're paying for LinkedIn as a recruiter, you can actually see how many different jobs someone's applied for. So if you're applying for a marketing role, for example, next to your name on my recruiter profile, I would see that you've applied for eight or nine jobs, which may not sound like a big deal to you. But if I'm looking at those jobs you've applied for and one's marketing, one's a CFO role, one's an administrative assistant, to me, that just screams unfocused and somebody who doesn't really know what they want to do yeah so I'm not saying don't apply to different jobs just be aware that what the other person on the other side is seeing as the person who's actually paying for those LinkedIn tools as an employer yeah so maybe just kind
0: of you know focus on on what you're really wanting to do in a career at least or for your next position and kind of hone in on that and apply to apply to various jobs that are kind of fit into that category
1: yeah, definitely. I think one of the frustrations that people have is, you know, they're applying to jobs and they don't hear back. And just mathematically, that's going to be the case. But if you're applying to, you know, 100 different jobs in a matter of a couple of weeks, then I would probably say you're not being very focused and probably not putting a lot yeah. of attention into those because it's really difficult to apply to 100 jobs in a couple of weeks and do it the right way. I would be more focused on the exact kind of job that I want. Find the, find the hiring manager's name that you're reaching out to, write a cover letter, uh, we can kind of get into best practices there, but just to be more focused on where you're applying and, and give more attention to specific applications. Yeah. I mean, let's go
0: ahead and dive in just a little bit, you know, I mean, I guess specifically resume, all of those websites that we mentioned uh, for finding jobs, they all, they all involve building some sort of profile, which often reflects, you know, your resume. So do you have any, do you have any quick pointers uh, or, you know, recommendations that you would give to job seekers on, you know, what, what should I include on my resume? How long it should be? How in depth should I go? You know, things like that.
1: All great questions and all questions that have Pretty lengthy answers. Uh, you know, one, one, as you know, Scott, I mean, one thing that we did a couple of years yeah. back was start a service just focused on resumes. So we, we called it Resume Spice. And the reason we started it was because we got so many questions from candidates. And as I kind of referenced earlier, there are only so many candidates who you can help find a job as a recruiter. But most of them need some sort of help in the job search process, and it really starts with the resume. And so one of the things that we would see is a great candidate who they hadn't put a resume together in five years because they had need to, hadn't needed to. Mm-hmm. They come to us with a, an outdated resume that you know, they haven't really focused on in, in several years, and they're not experts at writing a resume, nor should they be. So, uh, you know, we'd look at that and say, you know, that doesn't really do justice to your background. And if we submit it as is to an employer, we don't think you're, you're really going to represent yourself very well. And that would happen over and over. And eventually got to the point that we were, we just thought, you know what, we're going to start a service like this because we didn't feel like there was anything out there. Yeah. That was really somewhere that we could trust sending our candidates to. So we, we started a separate service called Resume Spice that does that. And we've got... Five or six different consultants working on resumes full time at any given time and they're career consultants and they, they give advice, but then they also, you know, using the input of their, their clients, they write the, uh, the resumes for our clients based on their, you know their history and background. So just to go, you know, into one of the questions about about length and how long a resume should be. I mean, there's just a lot of a lot of different opinions, but the fact that we work with so many employers and we know what they're looking for, you know, what we found is if you're entry level, to a year or two out of school, a good rule of thumb is to keep it to a page. If you are 2 to 5 years, maybe even 2 to 10 years, we're looking at a page and a half as you approach 10 years, we're looking probably at two to maybe three pages. There's very rarely a reason to go beyond three pages. Um, And then you start to get into CV territory, which is different (laughs) than a, a resume. And we can kind of get into that. But a resume... You're looking between one and three pages, typically, um, depending on how much experience somebody has. Yeah, I mean, I
0: think I think all of this is, you know, a great segue into our next episode's topic, which is going to be kind of focused on career coaching, interview techniques. You know, more in depth uh, on the difference between a resume and a CV, and you know what kind of information should actually go on that. So I appreciate you know you helping us out with uh, all the questions. Thank you. <laughs> You've reached the end of another episode of the Murray resources podcast to learn more about us, visit our website or check us out on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also don't forget to email us with your questions that you want to be answered during the show at podcast at Thank you for listening to this week's episode and we'll see you next